My, my dad has a joke that he says pretty often, and he says, do you want to know what the difference between major surgery and minor surgery is? Minor surgery is when you're having it. Major surgery is when I'm having it. Uh, so, what we are going to be talking about today is about mercy. We're going to be looking at God's mercy, and uh, today we're going to look in the book of Jonah. It's almost the exact opposite, because when Jonah says, when I get mercy, it's the good one. When you get mercy, it's not what I want. It's, it's, it's upsetting, especially when it's somebody who is your enemy. And when it's like that, it's, it's upsetting mercy. It's repugnant Mercy. That's not what he wanted. So today we're going to be considering the deep mercy of God. And I'm, I'm hoping that for us, all of us this morning, we are going to be able to see God's mercy in a bit deeper way, a more powerful way, something that makes it seem more amazing than it has ever seemed before for us. We're actually in a series on where we've been reading through the Bible, a specific part of the Bible in the prophets of the Bible, and we said, hey, you maybe don't know a lot of these scriptures really well, maybe little bits of it, but not all of them very well. And what we heard from these prophets is that they were people who brought God's word to his people. And one of the things that gets repeated to them is God says, return to me. God wants his people to come back to him. He wants to offer them mercy. He says, I want to be with you. I want relationship with you. Those messages were primarily given to two kingdoms, to the kingdoms of Judah and Israel. Those people had a common history together. In their past, they were one people and they had come out of Egypt together, out of slavery, and they were united with God by a solemn promise. God said, I am with you. You are mine. You belong to me. So they were so linked to God by this sacred bond that God wasn't going to give them up. And so he powerfully and relentlessly sought after them and kept calling them back to them. He says, hey, don't be like all the other nations around you. They, they're inhumane. They uh, they." Treat people poorly. They, this is not the way that I want you to live life. I want you to live as my people. There are specific ways I want you to separate yourself from those other people and be like my people. But they didn't always act like God's own special people. So the prophets, they said, hey, this stuff is not right. And sometimes if you've read or if you have an experience of thinking about the prophets, sometimes it can sound a little bit like, hey, they're, they're kind of yelling at people to stop things. Well, they were doing some pretty terrible things. It was characterized by idolatry of worshiping other gods, by selfishness and rapacious business practices, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And they, they're abusing other people for profit, and they don't seem to care about God at all in the world. They're just giving God lip service. So while the prophets did speak primarily to Israel and Judah, they did sometimes speak to some of the surrounding nations. And a lot of the text that we have read in our going through this Immerse series has been, we're reading through these different speeches that these prophets have had and said to either Israel or to the other nations around them, mostly messages. But the book of Jonah is a little bit different. We are not going to be going in through everything in Jonah. We are doing an overview of all the prophets. It's just a, a whirlwind tour. So we're going to look at a couple little bits in this book of Jonah, which was in this last week's reading. And, and Jonah was sent by God to go speak to a town called Nineveh, a big city called Nineveh. I mean, it was in a different country. We'll get to that. If you are familiar with the story, you know that he was sent to head in one direction. But when he left, he went in the other. He went the opposite way. 
Jonah's a pretty interesting guy. But however interesting he may be, what we're going to focus on this morning isn't specifically about Jonah. We're going to be focusing on the upsetting and really challenging part of this book, which is on how God is portrayed. God is portrayed in this book in kind of a surprising way. Let's pray before we get into the scriptures. Lord, we we thank you for this morning that we've got to wake up. Lord, thank you that we are here we, we want to say that we want to learn something about you. May you reveal yourself to us this morning in a, in a new way, even if it's surprising. We, we want you. We don't want just our, our own idea of who you might be, but we want you. So we pray that you will help reveal yourself to us by your scriptures today, that we may know you, that we can live with you in our daily lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's, let's start. Well, we're going we're to take a few little chunks through Jonah as in our overview, and uh, we're going to get a big idea of what's going on. So Jonah 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leading for Tarshish, He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. All right, first of all, let me tell you, you can't actually escape God, okay? So, nice try. It does not work. And uh, it's funny because you can get even, you can get away from even thinking more often about God. Say, hey, you know, if not being at church, not, not, not being around other Christians, you can get away from hearing about God, but you can't actually get away from God because God is here with us. You, you, you will, he will chase after you. And that's what Jonah finds out. You're avoiding the inevitable if you're trying to avoid God. Uh, I think it's better. We're going to face God, so better to face him on good terms. So if you know the story, uh, you know that God raised up a furious storm and uh, eventually even the sailors who didn't follow God, they're these pagan sailors, they're, they're like, this is not a normal storm, something's going on, and uh, Jonah ends up telling them, he had told them that he was running from God, and we're like, hey, I think it's you, Jonah. So they, they figured out that it is him, and God ends up getting his attention with a large fish, if you know the story. Uh, and then in the end of that, there's this, uh, there's this beautiful poetry, actually, in his, uh, his speech to God, where everything goes down, 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 and then it comes back up. Uh, but uh, basically, in the end, Jonah tells God, fine, I'll do what you want. Fine. Okay? It's not the way you probably should do it, but that's, he got there in the end. That's the end of chapter 2. So we're gonna, we get to chapter 3. And then it says this. It says, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. What's interesting here is that Jonah has actually already experienced God's own mercy. Because he was supposed to go this way, but went that way. And he ends up with God chasing after him through kind of amazing means, he does end up coming back to God. He turns back to God. He says, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it that way. I'll do what you wanted me to do in the beginning. And God says, okay. 
So what that means is that Jonah has actually personally experienced God's mercy. God didn't, God didn't get rid of him because he was turning away from him. He was ready to welcome him back. Our story, our own personal stories of rebellion against God, they don't have to be over-the-top kind of things like Jonah. It could just be that we maybe have spent our life mostly working on ourselves or thinking about ourselves instead of considering God, caring for our neighbor. It can be really quiet. Maybe we're just ignoring God. But it's still another type of rebellion that we're turning away. We're not giving God what is due to him. All right, verse 3. This time, so God says, hey, do it again. And this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all, for him to walk all the way around it. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. Listen to this. How's this for an outreach kind of statement that he says, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. So in the whole book of Jonah, that's all we actually hear about his preaching to Nineveh. 40 days from now, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And so um, real popular guy, real fun. Here, this is what he says. Uh, But here's the thing. Verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. So it's a super simple message, not very cheery, not real catchy, but it gets through. And it's probably a good place for us to have a little bit of background on these people in Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, great empire of the time. Uh, They were the ones who eventually invaded the northern kingdom of Israel and captured them and took them away. So we acknowledge that Nineveh, as the capital of Assyria, is kind of an existential threat to those people. It's their enemy. These are people that they don't want to be with. He doesn't want to go there. He he doesn't want to have them get mercy either. They're their enemies, and Jonah is sent to preach to them. But this surprising thing happens. They actually listen. The people believe the message. And a couple of verses later, it even says that the king ends up believing this, and he gives some really... um, big commandments about that everybody should mourn and fast. And what's interesting, if you have been with us or if you are familiar with the prophets, you know that that kind of reaction is not the reaction that the other prophets have been getting from God's people. When they've been preaching the message to God's people like, hey, come back to me, come back to God, most of the time the people are like, no thanks. Or, wow, you're such a bummer. They don't want to hear from them. Those prophets over and over again were ignored or rejected or mocked. But here, these people who have no right to God's presence at all are responding in a positive way. They respond with soft hearts. And more shocking, I think, than even the people responding is that God is the one who initiates that mercy. Verse 10. When God saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. So there's a, there's a change of heart that is demonstrated in a change of behavior. Now that's the, as a, a Christians, if we believe that if our life has changed, it's supposed to change the way that we treat other people, the way that we even see ourselves. So I think that this is a challenge of our attitude toward other nations of the world. Maybe we need to be people who are praying 
even for our enemies, or even for people who are an existential threat. It's, it's a challenge to us, but we believe that God is powerful enough to change people's hearts. God didn't bring about the destruction he had threatened. And I think what's challenging to us is even God's own attitude to the world. All right, we'll get to that. Jonah 4. This change of plan. So Jonah, he wasn't surprised that this happened. He's mad. He's like, I knew that this was going to happen. Jonah 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? I love God. God's very calm about this. So Jonah, very worked up. I want to die. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I wanted. These people will stink. I hate these people. I wanted you to smite them. There's no smiting happening, right? Like a little smite? Come on, Lord. Like, please make this happen. And God, but God is merciful to the people of Nineveh, and it makes him mad. I knew you were like this, God. That's why I went the other way. So it's interesting. Jonah actually is not necessarily surprised that God is that way. I knew you were like this. That's why I didn't even want to preach this message to them. I knew that you're merciful. And too much. You're too merciful. You're too merciful, God. It was enough, he, God, God had enough mercy for him when he needed to turn around. Like, God, I, I want that much mercy for me when I've been the one who's turning away from you, but I, I don't want you to use that same thing on other people. That's upsetting. And that kind of mercy, when it is for people we don't like, people who, well, they don't deserve it, that kind of mercy, it feels really bitter to us, and it's, it's a repugnant kind of mercy. It's distasteful. It's unacceptable to us. Because it runs counter to my internal narrative. Because my internal narrative is that God probably agrees with me on most things. Right? So, if other people, what I want is for other people to be like me. I want people to not necessarily be scared of God. I want them just to be a little bit more like me. We, we want God to kind of stop other people and give them a little bit of a smite, you know, like the bad people. We just want, well, those bad people, we want to smite them a little. Not kill them, just not let them thrive. We don't want other people to thrive if they don't agree with us. Uh, I have several brothers, but I have one brother in particular who is uh, a follower of Jesus, and um, he and I have joked that as Christians, you can't, like, wish really bad things on people because, you know, you're a Christian now, so you can't, can't do that kind of stuff. So you can't say a real curse on somebody, but we have, like, joke curses that you can say on people, uh, like, I hope, your jam, I hope your toast falls jam side down. <laughs> yeah. I hope you get a paper cut. Something like that. Yeah, right? I hope you bite your cheek today. You know, whatever. I don't know. Like, that kind of stuff. It's, it's spiteful. It's mean. It's not right, okay? But, you know, it's not like, it's kind of funny, but it's mean. It's still mean. It's not okay, right? No. Because what I'm saying is that deep down, we want 
God to get the other people. That's the same spirit in me that's coming out. I want God to agree with me about other people, kind of be on my side. Like, I want God to be like my big brother on the, on the playground and come to my aid when I want and be on my side. He doesn't even know what happened, but he's on my side. That's what I want. I want God to get the people who are not in agreement with me, not to look out for his own self. And, and that's the thing. God is on my side. Well, sort of. God is on God's side. God's always on God's side. And what he's asking for me is to be on his side. And that's part of the turning back to him, the repenting of turning back to be on God's side. Because he, what we have seen, what's been clear throughout the prophecies, is that, is that everybody does stand under ju- God's judgment. We've all done big and little things to turn away from God, to ignore God, to choose our own way instead of doing what's right and and good and helpful. But what we also see through all this is that everyone can turn and receive God's mercy. God is open to everyone, even people from Nineveh. It's kind of helpful. It's not as extreme as it would sound to us today. But if we heard something like, if, if Jonah was going to go speak to a, a terrorist camp or something like that, uh, if God was, was sending someone to preach to uh, somebody who you really think is beyond being saved, and they all give their life to God. And so the thing is, this is that troubling or repugnant kind of mercy that is at the center of the book of Jonah. It's supposed to upset us a bit that God would be like this. And it's supposed to be the part that sticks with us. The book ends even with God asking a question. The question just kind of hangs in the end, and it's a repetition of that question that just got there. God is speaking to Jonah as he's moping, and he says this. It's the very end of the book of Jonah from chapter 4. He says this, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. This is God talking to Jonah, who's really upset. It has these people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. It's a very funny comment to me. I don't know why that's always so funny. Um, Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Jonah doesn't really feel sorry for them, but God says, I am on on God's side. And why shouldn't I have mercy on them? Maybe, maybe we feel an existential threat. I watched on the news today, they're always talking about Taiwan. We'll say, is there going to be some kind of conflict with China? There's an existential threat. But maybe God would say, shouldn't I care about over a billion people? What does it mean for us when we pray to pray with God's vision for the world rather than just our own political vision? And to believe that God might be working in other people in the same way that he was willing to save me. God is saying, Jonah, I don't feel the same way about the Assyrians that you do. That's going to be a little hard for you. And God might have to say to you, I don't feel the same way about the people from the other political party as you do. Yes, they can even still be saved. Whatever that other one is for you. If you're a Christian, maybe sometimes you feel some anger toward people who are, uh, let's say, specifically openly trying to fight the Christian message. Somebody who's like, hey, I'm, I'm not only not a Christian, but I want to fight this thing. They're, they're not just fine in their own belief system, but they want to fight it. And God would say, hey, listen, 
I don't feel the same way about them. I don't feel as threatened by them as you do. Maybe God doesn't feel as threatened. Yes, the people of Nineveh were living in darkness. We're not trying to say that everybody's the same. He says, there are people living in spiritual darkness. That's why I care about them. I want them to be with me. I want them to turn and come to me. I was somebody who lived in spiritual darkness before I came to God. I need to keep rooting out spiritual darkness in my own life as God continues to transform me. I'm redeemed, but God is still working on me. So yeah, there are people who are living in darkness, but there are people also turning to God. Not turning to be like me, but turning to God, which is an important difference. Jonah wanted them to turn to him. God wants people to turn to himself. Well, in a moment, we're going to have seven young people choose to be, who are going to be baptized. It's wonderful. Family, I'm glad you're here. It's, it's, it's a beautiful moment uh, for, for kids to uh, choose their faith for themselves, and we, we celebrate that. Um, and here's a way that I would like for our baptism to be connected to this idea of Jonah, not... I do not have a large fish for you, um, but that would be kind of cool. We can get a, we, where's that, where's that blow up shark? We had that, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I, two specific ways. I want us to think first of all about God's mercy. God's mercy. Anyone, if we, we learn from Jonah, anyone can receive God's mercy. Anyone can receive God's mercy. I have heard stories about people coming to faith in prison. I have heard of people who are terrorists who come to follow Jesus. Anyone can receive God's mercy. If the people of Nineveh can, the person that you're thinking of can. You can. Anyone can. And here's the second bit, is that in the New Testament, it connects Christ... This guy, Jesus Christ, with the Jonah story. This over-the-top mercy of God is intricately connected with Christ. Because Christ says to some people, he talks about, he even talks about Jonah. And we're going to read that passage here in Matthew 12. One day, some teachers of the religious law and Pharisees, who are a specific sect of people who are trying to follow God's laws very um, assiduously, very closely, they said, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. Here's the deal. He's already been doing lots of signs, okay? Like, there's been plenty of people who are healed, all that kind of stuff. But they say, we want you to do a sign. Like, do a trick for us, please, right? But Jesus replied this, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah, for as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. I am going to die and rise again. The people of Nineveh, he says in verse 41, will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins in the preaching of Jonah. Not very nice preaching either, not like Jesus is, right? Now someone greater than Jonah is here but you refuse to repent. I, I'm bigger than Jonah, and I'm here talking to you, and you're not turning. Those fools, they turn to God from Jonah. He didn't even want to be there. <laughs> I, I like you guys. <laughs> 
So Jesus says, this sign of Jonah is the only one you're going to get. And it is the big sign of Christ's life, that Christ was the one who died. And three days later, he rose again. And what the New Testament tells us is that Jesus, when he died, he was actually taking on our sin. He was the one who was dying for us. He was willing to give his life for us. He, he gave his life for our sin. And then the resurrection of Jesus proves that what he said was true. That he has the power over sin and death. He, that we can have confidence now to follow him because he is alive. That he says all sins, in another place Jesus says all sins, all blasphemy, anything bad you have said about God, any kind of sin that you have done can be forgiven. Anything is forgiven. The only thing that's not forgivable, he says, is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And you know what that is? That's saying to the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to work in my life. The only way that we could not be saved is to tell God to get away. But if we let God in, even a little bit, we can have God's mercy. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. God can give you the mercy you want. You can be with God. So here's this week's challenge I would like to give with you. Some of it is changing our minds about other people. Some of it is changing ourselves. I would like for you this week to think about this. I would like you to pray at least three times this week for somebody you think could never turn to God for mercy. Uh, I'd prefer it not be at the same time, like, oh, no, 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 like that kind of thing, right? Like, just try to say, who is somebody in your life who you think, this person could never receive God's mercy? I, I, have, I have three brothers and a sister, and I would tell you, I, I would pray for my family. I, I say this with a little bit of shame. I, I would pray for my family and say, Lord, Lance, Lord, I pray for him, and Ross, and Shelly, Lord, and Matt. <laughs> Ross is now a pastor, okay? So not from my, not from my prayers. Uh, Ross was the one. And, and um, so who is somebody you think could never turn to God for mercy? And that person might live far away. That person might live very close to you. Maybe that person is you. Pray three times this week to somebody, for somebody who you think could not receive God's mercy. That they will receive the kind of crazy mercy that God has to offer that we see in the book of Jonah. Maybe you have waited to open yourself to spirituality because you didn't want to face whatever that thing was that was in your life. You, or you wanted to get everything under control before you talked to God. But God isn't asking you to straighten out your life first. He isn't asking for you to try to control it yourself. He wants you to open yourself up to the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life. God, I don't even know if you exist, but come and work in me. Change this thing in me. Because there's nobody who is out of reach of God's mercy. And I'll go even farther. I will say, unless you believe that, unless you believe that God might have mercy on even a person who you find repugnant, you haven't understood the depths of the power of the cross. We have to, we need to work to believe that that's even possible, that God could save anyone, anyone. It changes the way that we love other people, and it might even change the way that we love our enemies. Let's let God change our hearts so we may understand the depths of the wondrous, wondrous riches of Christ. That is the end of the book of Jonah, and that is the end of our series in Immerse, which has, I hope 
you have learned some cool stuff from that. We are going to begin a new series next week called Flourishing Faith. Uh, we're going to be talking about three elements about what it takes to have faith to not only survive in our world today, but really to thrive, to flourish. And the funny thing is this, this series is going to be kind of the opposite of Immerse. In Immerse, we read a lot of scripture, and then we would get like some small thing that came from each week. Um, but this one, we're going to be looking at, at two different verses and exploring it for three weeks. It's going to be really great. I hope that you will love it. It's this flourishing faith. We're going to spend some great time on that. Uh, you aren't going to be able to escape all the complexities and hard parts of life, but, and I wish I could wave a magic wand and make it all easy for you. It's not going to be like that, but you can flourish in life, and uh, that's what we're going to look at in this. And we have the example of people who have gone before us and have flourished in difficulty, so I hope that you'll stick around for that message series. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of, well, not Jonah's example. I guess I'm, I'm glad for other people who, uh, I'm glad for Jonah that I, I can be somebody who also doesn't have a lot of faith, but that story's about you. I pray that I will believe that your mercy can cover me, that it can shape anything that I have done, anything I have thought or said, you have mercy for me. And I, I pray that I will also believe that of other people so that you can get bigger, so that you, Lord, will get bigger in my eyes. This is never was about me and how smart I am and how great I am. It's always been about you. You're the one who has mercy and grace for me. Lord, may you change my heart so I may see you for who you are so that I can talk about you in a way that other people can see that as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.